Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm looking even gayer than normal, it, there's a heat wave. I'm from Stockport. I'm not built for this weather. So um, that's why I'm scantily clad. I, I may just melt midway through this. It's not going to be dignified. But we'll get through this. It's in, We don't have any air conditioning, so we needs must. So today we have a very special show all about the Tory leadership farce, um, which I think is a generous way of putting it. Um, so I was asked by The Guardian this week to ask which Tory I prefer uh, to become to become leader, our next prime minister. And I was torn with the, a lot of the other columnists did their job and they just actually just came up with an answer. I, I felt it was like choosing between bacterial infections, um, each with different symptoms, which are bad. So, like, they specialize in a bad symptom, some certain bad symptoms that you just don't want to get. Um, and I didn't I didn't really want to choose. But I was torn between, do you want one who destroys the Conservative Party? That'd be quite cool. But the downside is, what if they also inflicted terrible harm on the country in the meantime? And I think Liz Truss really embodies that. Um, Liz Truss, absolute comedy gold, let's be honest with you. She really is... She she she's she gives a lot. Uh, she gives a lot to the country. I would say. Let's. I mean, she she's had. Uh, I mean, the 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 famous. Obviously, for me, my mid sometimes mid mid afternoon. Um, sort of. You know, if I need a bit of a lift, I will watch her talking about port markets and the disgrace that is the importing of cheese. Let's have a little look at her campaign launch. Thank you, Thank you everybody, for the questions. Very good to see you. So Liz Truss, uh, current Foreign Secretary, who came third in the first round of voting to become uh, the new Conservative Party leader and Prime Minister. That first round of voting happening yesterday. Uh, formally, to she got lost. She didn't know the way out. She didn't know the way out of the room. I would say, actually, to be fair to her, but not really. But um, her age should have told her how to get out of the room. For those listening to the podcast, that was just Liz Truss trying to work out how to get out of a room with only one door and not not really realising how to do it. I think kind of apt for the directionless nature of the Conservative Party and the leadership at the moment. Um, so what we're going to do today, we've got the brilliant Adam Bienkov, who we had on several times, just because he's one of the best political journalists in the country, so it makes sense, from Byline Times. Um, what we're going to do is going to go through the, the Tory leadership race and, you know, I, 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 I would say try and enjoy it. Um, the reason I say that, I was talking to Adam before I came on, is obviously I'm still emotionally invested in, in politics. But I think if you take, if you just detach yourself a little bit, then you just let it wash over you. So I was, you know, like for me, when Boris Johnson was imploding, Michael, you know, you get a push notification, Michael Goh's been fired. Funny, quite funny. It was a funny thing to happen. Um, and it's the same with the Tory leadership race. A lot of it is genuinely, inadvertently, just very, very, very funny. 
So before we bring him in, just usual admin, uh, hit like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Do click through to the YouTube link if you're not watching on YouTube, even though I try and bully you into watching it on YouTube and you don't do it, a lot of you. So I was a bit angry, but it's been a long week. Um, so but if you want to watch it on YouTube, that's just helpful for us. Uh, and pressing like helps the algorithm so more people watch it. Support us on patreon.com forward slash owenjoes84. You keep the show on the road, all the videos, the interviews, all the stuff that we do. You make that possible because we're not funded by, obviously, oligarchs <laughs> for some reason. Um, and you can also support the show and put questions um, through Super Chat on YouTube. And I will read out uh, your questions and put them to our brilliant esteemed guest, as well as um, read thank you at the end. And that's what I'm going to do. Let's bring in Adam now. Hey, Adam, how you doing, mate? Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, actually. Yeah. How are you enjoying the Tory leadership race at the moment? It's been bizarre to sort of put it mildly. It's I mean, it sometimes felt a little bit like sort of covering a campaign taking place in a parallel universe. You know, the, the country is sort of uh, in the middle of a heat wave caused by climate change. You've got a cost of living crisis where people can't pay to, to, to feed themselves. And, and all the while, you've got the conservative candidates talking about things like gender neutral toilets and whether or not Ben and Jerry is woke. And it's just seemed utterly strange. And it's completely out of touch with what the public are concerned. About. And actually, it's worth saying, actually out of touch with what a lot of conservative party members are concerned about. You know, there's been there's some polling this week um, from opinion on uh, what Conservative Party members are concerned about. And actually, their their concerns are, are relatively close to what the public's concerns are, cost of living, state, state of the NHS, public services. Mm-hmm. And these are all things that we just haven't heard almost nothing about during the, the course of this campaign. And it's just felt incredibly bizarre, you know, not even touching on, on the, the very strange Liz Trust press conference, which I attended earlier this week as well. Yeah, you t- just explain that, why it's so bizarre. Just, just talk us through well, it. Well, she, she was introduced by Kwasi Kwarteng and there was just this, I mean, she was just stood outside the room and he introduced mm-hmm. her and she didn't come in the room for, uh, I'm not sure how long it lasted. It felt like about 30 seconds. I'm sure it was much shorter than that. Um, she then stumbled her way through the, the speech, um, took questions mostly from sympathetic media outlets. And then at the end, as you just saw in that clip, just kind of sort of stumbled. I was actually stood by the camera and she was just walking towards me. And I, I thought for a moment we were having some some kind of moment together. And then it became quite clear, quite quickly, that she just didn't seem to know where she was. And it, it isn't quite clear from that clip that you see quite how small that room it was. And there was only one door, and it was the door that she came in by. So I, I really, it's, it's, it's very strange to me what, what happened there. Now, in terms of what's happened, now let's just have a little look, actually, shall we, in terms of just what's been happening this week. Now... What happened was the rise suddenly of Penny Morden. And Penny Morden mm. suddenly, you know, she had, I would say, I would say if you're going to have a good campaign launch, it was actually quite a good campaign launch. She she found her way out of the room at the end of it. She did slightly annoying. Well, we'll come on to some of the stuff. She's a mm. massive hypocrite and a charlatan, essentially, is what I'm trying to get get, get at. But we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But the rise of Penny Morden, but then she was rubbish in the Channel 4 debate, basically. Let's just, just for me, you know, I'll come on to the, her, her deceit because she is, she is very deceitful. But there's something you highlighted in her Channel 4 debate, and I'm just going to bring it up because it is so weird. The top 180 yep. innovations that we've had on medical devices and all sorts of stuff that's improving care around the world, how many are used in the NHS? Let's trust. None. What sort of weird 
sort of, sort of let's have a look here she did she do it here? no no sorry let's this, basically she did a tweet about it nhs in a, what yeah. what sort of weird shit is this she tweeted it out about this weird statistic literally taken out of the ether and then deleted it because it doesn't make it what was she talking about what well, was it taken out of the ether that's the thing because you know at the same time she said it this meme was tweeted out with the quote on there it seems to have been a prepared fact but as you say after saying it, nobody had any idea what on earth she's talking about. The top 180 innovations in the NHS, or sort of top 180 innovations in the world have never been used in the NHS. What does, what does that mean? Um, that then later disappeared from her Twitter feed. She tweeted it a couple of times. Um, and have, she's been contacted. I've contacted her campaign. Other people have contacted her campaign. No explanation about what that was about. And um, it's just, I mean, it might seem a, a, a small example, but it's just... You know, the whole reason we're having this leadership campaign is because um, Johnson was seen as dishonest by the, the public and he is dishonest. He's a liar. Um, and so they decided to get rid of him because it's starting to affect their own chances of, uh, of keeping their jobs. And so we now have these now have some of the leaders, some of the leadership candidates making dishonest statements in themselves. And of course, Penny Morden was also interviewed on on the BBC today and she repeated another dishonest statement that she'd made in the past about uh, the UK not having a veto on uh, Turkey joining the EU. And again, she, she refused to say that she'd got that wrong. She just doubled down on it. Um, so it, it does seem bizarre that we're having this contest on the basis of Johnson's dishonesty and we have leading mm -hmm. contenders continuing to be dishonest. Uh, I'm just talking at my camera because I, I decided against the advice of my producer to let the cats in the room and they disconnected the camera. So while I sort the camera out, we'll carry on, don't worry, the cats are... Cat's having fun in a heat wave. Let's just talk about, we're talking about the dishonesty here, okay? So let's just bring up what Penny Morden, back in the referendum campaign, mm. she said uh, that Britain wouldn't be able to veto Turkey's accession. Let's just see what she said. We did have a veto over Turkey joining the EU. Do you now accept that that was misleading? No, first of all, I'm very proud to have fought for Brexit, to campaign for it, to vote for it, and to have helped deliver it. And that is a classic example of the campaign that we were up against. David Cameron had given undertakings to Turkey that uh, it would, we would support, the United Kingdom would support uh, its succession to the EU. Just because there's a provision in a treaty doesn't mean that the UK could ever have used that. And to have gone back on what was government policy and those undertakings he had given to Turkey, a key NATO ally, would have been crazy. But the point that I made on that clip, and I feel very strongly about, is that the British people did not have a say. They did have a say in the referendum, and but they chose. It was a fact that the UK did have a veto, wasn't it? Member states' right to a veto is spelled out in Article 49 of the Treaty on the EU. We claim we did not, you claim we did not have a veto. Do you accept we, that what you said didn't. at the time was misleading? No. But it's, we in, didn't. The, it's in Article 49. No. We, we didn't, Sophie, have a veto because we couldn't use that provision in the treaty. So, look, I mean, what she's doing, I mean, she's just, she's absolutely remarkable in, in every sense there. What, she, what she's doing there is, um, is trying to, obviously, she lied, uh, and she won't accept she lied. Um, just to, just talk, talk me through, just, I mean, I yeah. just find that astonishing because Boris Johnson is, is a known proven liar. He's, he's, I mean, that we've established that. I think everyone agrees yes. that's just what the yeah, hell? Yeah, the country is goes that. 
I mean, she had some she had some options here, right? So she made the original statement during the campaign. So she had the choice not to make a false statement. But when she was asked about it uh, during this campaign, and again this morning by Sophie Rafer, she could have said, "Look, you know, I may have mistaken it, may have misstated what, I, but but what I meant to have said was, yes, we had a veto, but it was incredibly unlikely that we would ever use it." Which is essentially what her argument is there. But instead of just saying that, she's then saying we. She repeated the, the lie again. She said we didn't have a veto. And when questioned on that, says, "Well, I, you know, I, I just say it as I see it." But that's that's not how truth and lies work. You don't just say things as you see them. They're, they're objective truths and objective lies. And the truth is that the UK did have a veto, um, and we don't know whether or not uh, David Cameron would have used it, or, or whether his successor would have used it, or not, or whether the situation would ever come up. But the fact is, the veto did exist. And everyone can see that, you know, it, it, it doesn't benefit her by just sticking to that line. And it's, just, it's the same tactic, that, as you say, that Johnson used throughout his premiership and throughout his political career is when he gets stuck in a corner, never give any ground. doesn't matter if you've lied. doesn't matter what the truth is. Just keep on saying the same thing. And um, I think that, that that should really count against her, that she's taking exactly the same approach as Johnson did. So in terms of, let's just keep going with, with Morden a bit more, actually, because... Penny Morden was thought amongst LGBTQ activists to be a trans ally. Mm. So obviously we've had this big moral panic over trans rights and trans issues. And uh, now what she did is backtrack quite, she overcompensated and made some pretty crude jokes about I'm a woman without, you know, every, every woman needs a willy. Well, I mean, yeah. just really crude jokes that others didn't do. Let's just see what happened in the debate. Penny Morden, let's try and clear up some of the things that have been sort of swirling around about you today. Uh, because there were all sorts of allegations made about you having a problem either with your memory or, or what the truth was about what you did in government regarding gender recognition. Um, people say that you were in favour of self-ID, that you freely said a trans woman uh, is a woman, uh, but you kind of redefined your position now and said, no, you weren't in, you know, in favour of self-ID and trans women aren't the yeah, same I as... I can't imagine why uh, people um, are not uh, comprehending what I say and have been regurgitating this issue for, uh, for weeks and weeks. But I'm happy to state uh, my position and, uh, and evidence to back it up. So I took through uh, a consultation looking at uh, the Gender Recognition Act. Um, I've never been in favour of self-ID. I would have made the system much better, but I would not have divorced it from healthcare. I'm a woman, I'm a biological woman. If I had a mastectomy, I would still be a woman. I am a <coughs> biological woman in every cell in my body. I'm also legally a woman. And some people who are born male go through a process and are issued at the end of that process with a legal document in their new gender. Uh, and, but that does not mean they are identical to me. They are legally recognized in law but they are not biological women. So basically, there's a kind of get Penny Morden thing on gender self-ID at the moment. So in the Times, leaked documents called Penny Morden's gender self-ID claims into question. Mm. Basically, the mess she's got into is positioning herself as a trans ally, saying in Parliament trans men are men, trans women are women. And now she's, she's um, obviously trying to you know, appeal to a certain base. Though actually, the polling of Tory members suggested yeah. that they weren't obsessed with trans issues. Just what's your take on, just again, it's just she's coming across like a very slippery charlatan. Yes, I mean, as, as you say, the polling on this is quite clear with the general public. This isn't, a, this is only a, a concern of a very small majority, small minority of, of the population, and actually a very small minority of Conservative Party members. One that uh, opinion poll showed 
that it was only 3% of Conservative Party members saw this as something that they were passionate about. Um, but it is, there are, there are other candidates, Camille Badenoch in particular, uh, Liz Trust to a certain extent as well, and also a number of newspapers who are seeking to make this a big issue for, for Penny Morden. And again, she has choices, right? Uh, we know where the public are. We know where Conservative Party members are on this issue. I think she would have got a lot of credit by just sticking to her guns and saying, this is what I believe. I can, the, this is what the public also believes. Um, and I'm not going to steer away from that. And instead, she's decided to backtrack and again, be dishonest about what she's actually done in government. And that's where she's, where she's fallen foul uh, during this debate, really. In terms of... Can you hear me, Adam, by the way? Just checking. Yes, yes. Uh, good. Um, in terms of uh, Rishi Sunak, let's talk about Rishi Sunak. Now, Rishi Sunak is, was the front runner. Let's just see what happened with this debate. He was pressed on national insurance. Okay, we've got to be honest with people. Like, we are Sharon's honest. question was about public services. Yeah. And are we going to fund public services like the NHS properly? Yes, and you know what? When the NHS needed the resources to tackle these unbelievable backlogs to reform social care, I did a difficult thing to make sure that the NHS got Rishi, the money it needed. You, and you voted against it. To be, that's fair, rea- that's reality. to be fair to you, Rishi, what we did is we had a long conversation about it. And you set out your position. And I asked why on earth this was going to be necessary and you told me because the boss wanted it. Now, the reality is... The reality is... The reality is this is a decision that I didn't support because it's a tax on jobs at a time when you we need growth. You know what? The, the, the Prime now, Minister did want to tackle the COVID backlogs and he was right to want to let him that, just finish. actually. Now, so I did support him in doing that. But it's also right that Tom when we want to do things, we have to pay for them. It's you, also, got, you guys know that. Everyone watching this debate knows that you don't get something for nothing. It's if all... we are going to invest in public services, then we do have to oh, pay wait. for those Tom things. Tom It's also true, however, that when I go around the country and I talk to businesses, they don't talk to me about corporation tax. They don't talk to me about taxation quite as much as I thought they would. What they actually talk to me about is predictable investment. So what I've been talking about is full expensing, permanent full expensing, which allows businesses to invest, to invest in training, to invest in all of us, to invest in the machinery that grows productivity. Now, as a, I mean... What do you make of Rishi Sunak's kind of fall then rise? Yeah, so I think part of it is to do with the the polling. Um, so we had some early polling of party members and, and of the public about all of the candidates. And in those uh, polls, Penny Morden did very well. But a lot of, most of the, the vast majority of the, the country and actually probably a lot of Conservative Party members as well, uh, don't really know who Penny Morden is, but they are unhappy with the current government and they are unhappy uh, with Rishi Sunak and his association with tax rises. Um, so I think he suffered from that. Um, but, but you know, I think, as we saw in that clip, uh, Tugan Hat's uh, interception aside, he actually did better than expected during the debate. He's quite a slick politician. Um, and he did quite well, again, as we were saying with Penny Morden on, on trans issues, going against the grain and saying, look, you know, it's all very well offering these tax rises, but you have to pay for it. I mean, we can have a debate about how much of a difference it actually is between soon exposition on tax and the rest of them. But, but that, that position went down with the audience and he did get rounds of applause for, for making it. Um, and as this, as, as this uh, campaign is going on, um, I think the positions of Sunak and Trust and Morden are actually getting closer as people actually learn more about, in particular, about Morden and and some of her flaws, which weren't apparent. I think that there was just a sense, I think there is, 
I mean, there's the the race between the the candidates for second place because that's this that's what's important in, at the moment because the top two candidates go through to the final round of members. It's been very fluid, so the, the polling of party members has been all over the place. I think the reason for that is not because they're all great candidates and that they just you know that people can't decide which which one they want. It's because they aren't actually great candidates and they're sort of lurching and go, well, well, who's new? Who hasn't been in cabinet or for a while? Oh, Penny Morton, let's give her a go. Oh, actually, she's not that great. Oh, maybe. We'll go back to Sunak more. Or what about Kemi Badenoch, who's, who was also leading in the Conservative Home Survey uh, yesterday? Um, and I think that's what it shows. It's not that people are are enthusiastic about any one of these candidates and why they keep them going ahead and behind. It's because their Conservative Party members are looking at them going, actually, none of them are, are that great, really. Well, because she's become a kind of... The Tory right have kind of... Some of them, that's mm. her candidate now. And she's seen as the main rival to Liz Truss's chances of getting in the second ballot paper. What do you make of the Badenoch phenomenon? Well, she's sort of the candidate of the kind of Lawrence Fox GB News faction of the party. And she's doing very well with those. And, and those, those, those people are sort of overrepresented in, among Conservative Party members. Um, I don't know. I mean, you saw, you saw the poll of the public and she was sort of only slightly above Liz Truss in terms of how the public thought that she performed in that debate. But if the Con Home Survey is right, she's now leading the pack among mm-hmm. uh, party members. It's not a representative poll, so we, we can't be, be sure about that. Um, but again, I, I think it comes down to the fact that she's new. People don't know her. Um, she seems, when she talks, she seems to talk a lot more human than uh, some of the other candidates, in particular Liz Truss, who is also who's fighting for the same uh, faction of the party. Um, so I... I don't think it's. I don't, I don't. Her rise is less to do with her, her innate qualities. I think it's just that people within the party and and the public want something new. And I think that's why Tugendhat also did well in that debate because people don't know who he is, and he seemed to be in opposition to his party rather than in support of his own government. They were asked if Boris Johnson was honest. Let's see what Liz Truss said. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He has been very clear himself that he made mistakes in government. But he had a huge range of achievements. Brexit, dealing with COVID. Well, he himself has said that some of the statements issued by not were not 100% accurate. So I take that at face value. Yeah, I mean... What do you make of that? Go on. What do you make in terms of because Tom Tugendhat actually answered. What, what was your take? Yeah, on? 
Yeah, so um, Kemi Badenoch was asked and she said that Johnson was sometimes honest, which was a little bit meany mouth, but you know, at least it kind of got the impression of what she thought across. Um, Penny Morden refused to answer, said, I'm not going to answer that yes, no question, which, you know, it's always going to go down badly with the audience. Um, Sunak gave, gave a bit of a kind of mealy mouthed answer. Trust again, as you, as you just heard, very mealy mouthed. And then Tugan Hat just simply said, no, I don't think he's honest and got a round of applause. Um, and I think that kind of summed up Tugan Hat's performance overall, really, is that it's, that he was almost sort of filling the role of an opposition member on the panel. He was running in opposition to his own party and his own government. And that sort of sums up the problem that the Conservative Party have, have in this selection is that they're, they're essentially running against the record of the government that, that almost all of them have been a part out of, or if not, are, have been supportive of and have uh, campaigned for. And it's very hard to do that at the tail end of a government when the public opinion has turned against you. So, uh, you know, that's... That's why Tugan Hat did so well, but it also means that he's very unlikely to actually make the final two and, and to end up being prime minister. Yeah. Just finally, what's your prediction? What's going to happen? It's incredibly hard to know at this stage, just because there's so many other there's so many candidates vying for the for that, that second place among Conservative MPs, um, and the, and the opinion as a, as a, as I said of Conservative Party members is so fluid because they're not really satisfied with the options they're being given. Um, so it's incredibly hard to say. I think Sunak is almost certainly going to make it into the top, uh, into the top two. He's almost at the threshold he needs, um, 120 MPs, in order to to to, to make those, that top two. Uh, it's a question of whether or not what happens after we get to the next rounds. Because uh, if if Kemi Badenoch drops out, then do most of her supporters go over to uh, Truss, or has she secretly made a deal with Sunak, uh, with Michael Gove supporting her in order to for it to go over to Sunak? Um, is Morden going to keep on rising in the polls or, or has her performances in these debates um, set her back? So I think we're not going to really know until we kind of get to the sort of the middle of, of next week. But I think by that point, we should have a pretty clear result. And also, so, so, so we know that Sunak's going to make it to the final round. Are Conservative Party members going to just support whoever comes up against him? I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, if you look at the polls, the, the runoffs they've done suggest that that is the case. But, you know, if it's a runoff between Sunak and Truss, I can see party members really going to look at that lineup and go, yes, let's go for Truss, you know, given all of her bizarre behaviour and, and sort of tenuous record. I don't know. So uh, the, the cut a long, long story short, I'm not sure. So just to wrap up, because technical disaster after technical disaster has enveloped the show. But just finally, I want to talk about Keir Starmer before everything implodes. Now, Keir Starmer was actually asked about the pledges that he made during the Labour leadership contest for the first time that I can see properly by journalist Andrew Marr. Let's see what he said. Can I ask you, do you stand by your pledge yeah. to support common ownership of rail, mail, energy and water? Uh, Andrew, I'm pragmatic about this, not ideological. Um, but we've got to face the reality of the situation, okay. which is post-COVID, our economy is in a different position. But I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these so, people so that's frankly, ideological are, about it. It must be one thi thing or the other. We've yeah. got to be practical. So things have changed. Well, I mean, we're going to inherit a yeah, very broken okay. economy. Um, what about the pledge that you'll end all private provision in the NHS? Is that still operative? 
Well, look, um, there is some private provision in the NHS and we're likely to have to continue so, with that. But I actually so do believe not, strongly no in the either. NHS as a public service. Well, right, Andrew, well, don't, you know, I'm not going to resile from my belief in the NHS as a public health provider. My wife worked in the NHS, that, my it, mum worked yeah, in the NHS, sure. my sister that, that worked very, in the NHS. It runs through our blood. That was a very specific pledge, however, which has now gone. One more. You say that you would work shoulder to shoulder with the trade unions to stand up for working people. That will get a hollow laugh from the RMT today. Well, Andrew, we have, um, with our unions, crafted a green paper, draft legislation ready for government, which sets out um, employment rights, day one employment rights, um, which are stronger than anything we've seen in this country. And all of our trade unions helped us with that. So um, that, pledge, that, that draft legislation is very much the product of that pledge, Andrew. But I mean, All I would right. say this, okay, to be absolutely Andrew, just about those I'm sorry to, pledges, we, to, we had, no, just because just, just you put the pledges to me, every, we had, we went through the hustings that all of the candidates, Tory candidates are going through now, and everybody, at every hustings had a closing speech, and my closing speech was the same every single time, which was, if we don't win, all the things that all the candidates are saying will never come to pass. So I made it clear that anyone voting for me as leader of the Labour Party would have someone who is laser-like focused on winning an election. And that was my pitch to our Labour Party members. And by the way, you know, if you look at our votes in conference last year um, and the support we're getting, the idea that the vast majority of Labour uh, members aren't very happy that we've turned our party around, that we're now... I'm getting challenged mm. on what we're going to do as an incoming Labour government. That's unbelievable compared with where we were two years ago. So this impression that Labour Party members aren't pleased with the direction of travel is, I'm afraid, just wrong. I mean, that's striking. That's the first time he's been challenged about it. What do you think about it? Because I find it astonishing how, essentially, he's got, a, he's got away with, essentially, the, one of the most dishonest leadership campaigns in history. Yeah, I mean, he sounded like Penny Morden there, didn't he? I mean, it was quite, quite remarkable. You're right that this doesn't often get raised. I, I mean, I have been raising it with uh, Starmer's spokespeople. Uh, as, as a lobby journalist, we have regular briefings with Starmer spokespeople, and I do regularly raise this issue. And there's actually potentially more sort of broken pledges coming down the track. One to look out for is on uh, tuition fees, which I asked about, asked his spokesman about last uh, week. Um, is he, does he still stick by his pledge on tuition fees? And I was told that they support reform of tuition fees. Um, so they, they're no longer pledging to scrap tuition fees. Um, but again, you know, I, I think, as we said with Penny, Penny Morden, it comes down to choices. I think, I think, you know, you shouldn't make pledges. First of all, you shouldn't make pledges that you don't intend to keep. And it's, I think it's pretty clear, given this, the sort of scale of the pledges that he's, he's gone back on, that, 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 that it does appear that he, 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 either he made pledges that he didn't intend to keep, or he made pledges and then just decided to, to scrap a lot of them because it was particularly convenient for him. It's like, I'm not clear, clear which of those it is. But if you are going to break those pledges, then again, I think you, should, you just need to be be open about it and say, look, yes, I, I, I made the pledges. Perhaps I shouldn't have made those pledges. Um, th this is why we need to win the country, et cetera, et cetera. But he's just, he's not really doing either of those. And he's just kind of pretending like it, like those pledges were never made or that he, he hasn't broken them. When it's, it's pretty clear to most people watching that interview of Andrew Marr that that's not the case. Do you think it's the case that most of your colleagues, political journalists, haven't raised this because 
if it's the left who are on the receiving end of dishonesty, that's fine because the left aren't legitimate political actors. Because it strikes me that, I mean, the scale of dishonesty in terms of the pledges that he's broken. I mean, he actually went on national television during the leadership debate, stuck his hand up when asked, do you support nationalising energy and water? Um, and then later, after the leadership contest, said he'd never said he supported nationalisation. I mean, that's just straightforward mm. dishonesty. Um, but, but it hasn't been raised in the media. What, do you think it is just because, basically, the left aren't legit, legitimate political actors, therefore it's fine to behave as dishonest as you want because it's good politics to defeat the left and to shift away from left-wing politics? Well, I think there's... I mean, to sort of, sort of play devil's advocate on it, I think there, there's a couple of things. There's Starmer isn't uh, in government. So he's not in a position to enact any of these pledges. Um, so you could argue uh, from that perspective that it's not the same as, as sort of broken pledges from a prime minister. Uh, but I think I do, I do agree with you, actually, that uh, because a lot of these pledges are on things that certain l- large parts of the press aren't concerned about, um, tuition fees, nationalisation, etc., um, these aren't made as big an issue as if he had broken pledges on something else. So if he'd broken pledges... Um, that were supported by right-leaning newspapers, and I think it would become more of an issue. But I, I do think it's fair to say that he's definitely had a very easy ride on this issue. Um, and, you know, I think in some respects he's been quite lucky. Um, I think he was lucky in, sta- in in going up against Boris Johnson, who imploded his own government. He's lucky that Johnson is now gone, so that dividing line on dishonesty isn't going to become an issue when he breaks his own pledges at the next, when Starmer breaks his own pledges at the next general election. And I think he's been quite lucky in that it was possible when Johnson left that he could be replaced by a sort of a, a single charismatic figure who revived the fortunes of the Conservative Party. And again, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I think he has been quite lucky on this issue and, and, and more generally. Um, but I think it is fair to say that, you know, I think journalists collectively, we we could do more to, to hold him account, to account on what do appear to be a pretty wide-ranging set of broken pledges that he's preparing to make, although you could argue whether or not he's actually broken them yet, but he's certainly preparing to, to break them when it comes to the next general election. Adam, thank you for getting through this technical disaster. <laughs> uh, you've been out to see Triumph. Uh, just so people know what happened. So I left my cats in. Uh, the producer sent lots of messages with unprofessional and several exclamation marks. One of them disconnected the... Um, set up with the microphone and the camera haven't managed to reconnect them properly as you can see fill around a lot with them whilst adam was imparting his wisdom <laughs> um but we got we kind of got through it but it was it was a, a lot of adrenaline um but thank fi- thankfully adam just kept everything going with his professionalism no professionalism here or for my cats lots of professionalism from adam <laughs> So thank you, and thanks to the viewers for getting through that, because that was, woo! Um, But honestly, brilliant stuff on the Tory leadership race, and I just thought it would be interesting to just have that little thing about Keir Starmer at the end. So, Adam, it's always a pleasure. Normally a little less fraught, but always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And I will see you soon. See you soon. See you soon. Take care. Um, Thanks, everyone. I'm just rereading the comments. People have been kind of trying to kind of egg the show on <laughs> cheer us on as um everything fell apart um oh i keep being told as well I, I keep looking at the camera which is not working so now i need to look at the laptop camera let's just finish this shall we we got through a lot i think we covered a lot, a lot of ground 
<laughs> even though it's pretty catastrophic. Cat, cat is, let's not do that. Um, so we will have the show next week, but without the design, there will be no cats in this room anymore. <laughs> Um, so they won't be able to disconnect the camera <laughs> and the microphone. Uh, we've got lots of interviews to come up and documentaries, thanks to you, which will be done really professionally. <laughs> I need to emphasize that. Let me just read out the, um, let me read out the, uh, the, the super chats. Um, here we go. Uh, Kieran Buckley, the country wants the cost of living sorted, yet toys want to push their culture war. They're completely out of such reality. I think this is a really interesting point because actually the polling shows that the Tory members actually don't care about ranting about trans people as obviously the Tory leadership con uh, candidates have been doing but the, the public don't either we're going through the longest squeeze in living standards since the Victorian era and this attempt to stigmatize and whip up bigotry against marginalized minorities it plays to a certain audience disproportionately in the British media I should hasten to add but but it just shows you know how it shows what bigot the what big the, the role bigotry plays in politics which is a very convenient and useful means of deflecting people's passions and anger away from their everyday bread and butter issues and the reasons that they're being caused by the actions of those at the top and to instead obsess over marginalised minorities. Um, that's what obviously this is about. Uh, Tad Campwell, one theory is is a theory to one and eight. Oh, this is the Penny Mordant thing about the, um, the, she went on about 180 innovations, which have not, being used in the NHS and no one knows what she's talking about and then she deleted a tweet about it without explaining. One thing is there's a reference to 180 me medical, a supply company maybe not having a contract with the NHS and she got confused. Basically, she's not very good. I, I don't want to be harsh or brutal about it. Well, I do. I mean, why Why wouldn't I? <laughs> but she's, you know, she's she wasn't a very good performer. She was built up. I think because she was seen as a clean skin, a fresh start from Boris Johnson era, but her performance was bad. She was waffly and gibberish. Um, David Baratta, thank you as ever. Attila Desix, Tory leadership surrounded, uh, decided by 150,000 geriatric old farts. Oh, bit ageist, come on. I mean, 150,000 raging right wing, et cetera, et cetera, probably. That's appropriate. Leading candidate, uh, the leading candidate is a brown immigrant in their eyes. It's anyone's guess. I think what you're saying there is a lot of them are racist and therefore won't accept a person of colour as a Tory leader. We'll see about that. I mean, it's actually entirely possible that Rishi Sunak will become leader of the Tory party. Um, you know, that doesn't mean the Tory party isn't obviously institutionally racist and doesn't run an institutionally racist government in just the same way that obviously Margaret Thatcher becoming prime minister in 1979 did not mean that um, institutional misogyny has suddenly vanished. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, Rishi Sunak obviously imploded, but seems to have revived. So we'll see about that. Right. Press like, if you want, after, after that, after that real tour de force technologically and do subscribe where we will have videos which don't fall apart and also um thank you everyone for listening on the podcast uh do hit subscribe for that as well obviously a lot of you listen to it on the podcast uh we'll be here next sunday and uh well you've got lots of interviews and documentaries come thanks to you thanks everyone and i'm now going to go and have a nice little chat with our my two beloved cats lots of love everyone Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting, and I certainly did. Uh, do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road, uh, forward slash Jones 84 Leave us some stars, that'd be nice. Spread the word. And I look forward to speaking to you soon.